Welcome to the My Home, My Mission podcast, a conversation about life at the intersection of faith and family. Hey guys, welcome back to the pod. I'm Chris and I'm in studio with my partner, Jordan. It's good to be back. Still in the Wisdom for the Summer series that we're doing as we kind of walk through some reflections on an overview of the book of Proverbs. Jordan, I'm enjoying our time as uh, we walk through some of these pieces. Yeah, me too. It's been it's been good to just dig into the Proverbs and talk through and just really have these discussions between us and the people listening. It's been fun. Yeah, and uh, and both of us have kind of as part of our normal discipline a focus on the Book of Proverbs um, as we do it. But uh, I would encourage you if you've not if you're not actually a Proverbs reader or consumer, uh, let me encourage you to let that be a part of your discipline. Grab a grab a chapter a day. Uh, for the day of the week that you're working on and just make that part of your reading discipline. Usually you're talking three or four minutes, uh, maybe five to read through and reflect, grab one that you're working through and uh, well worth your time as you think about it. Um, Jordan, it hit me just a moment ago as I was thinking about this. Um, if Solomon, and Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, um, Solomon had a thousand wives between his wives and his concubines, a thousand women in his life. And uh, which to me says, you're really not as wise as we're giving you credit mm-hmm. for at this point. But it did give him some perspective. So if we read Ecclesiastes or we read through uh, some of the other uh, works attributed to him from a wisdom literature standpoint, we are liable to say, man, this guy, uh, he had some insights that others didn't have. And I think his experience, his understanding of the world, particularly as it related to women, um, from his perspective as the king and all of these other things, probably uh, maybe is more insightful than it is for some. He may have just recognized some things just by the amount of things he had seen and been a part of in his life than others, which might be why it seems like the last several episodes we've dealt with the subject of sexual sin um, or the dangers of sexual sin uh, that we come through there. So um, we're in Proverbs 7. We're kind of looking at that today. And we've looked at previously, we looked in chapter 5 and we talked about um, you know, some of the aspects of this, how you can guard yourself against these things. Um, I think now in chapter 7, we've got that same idea of protecting or guarding against, but you also have a little more intentional activity, more intentional danger on the part of the adulteress uh, to draw a person in. Um, so as we kind of delve into that, I want to catch, notice how he introduces this piece here. He talks about treasuring commandments, keeping commandments, hold on to teaching as the apple of your eye. In other words, guard his teachings the same way you would guard the pupil of the eye, which by the way, you know, is well guarded. They can't even shoot a little air in there at the optometrist, <laughs> uh, without you blinking and closing your eyes and all of that. It's crazy. Mm, it's the worst. Yeah. By the way, uh, I took your idea on the optometrist and went to that same optometrist that you go to and, uh, they wanted 40 bucks to do the air treatment and the back of the guy thing picture versus the dilation drops. And I went cheap, man. I paid for the nothing. The dilation. I, for, I just let them do the dilation drops. And then I barely made it home because my eyes were dilated <laughs> as big as cups and saucers. Okay. So that's free. Oh, no man. extra charge. But anyway, just wanted <laughs> to throw that out there. So he says, guard teachings as the apple of your eye, bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablets of your heart. Uh, say to wisdom, you're my sister, and call understanding your intimate friend. 
because, verse 5, they'll keep you from an adulteress and from a foreigner who flatters with her words. So he points out there's a danger out there, again, related to sexual temptation or sexual sin or companionship or romanticism. There's a danger out there that if we're not very intentional and proactive, we'll find ourselves succumb to uh, or at least easy prey for. Um, you see that in those first few verses there? Yeah, and and the way this is worded, it's uh, it's talking about uh, it, it's talking about forbidden woman, yep. and um, the adulteress and and all that. It's using that language, and if we really think about uh, the culture we're in today, yeah, and what that looks like, um, things have changed as far as uh, access, yeah, to these things. That's true, and. I saw a post the other day. Um, was th- I think I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw the channel I follow that showed the top five websites in the U.S. for the last year, and two two out of five of those were basically uh, filth sites. Yeah, and and that just shows um, the level of access and and how many people have been have been tempted into those things. And and so I think I think that's kind of a good a good way to, to look at this and, and not have the lens of, well, I, I'm not around anybody like this person, this passage is talking about, well, you, you are exposed to, to this kind of, this level of temptation because it's apparently everywhere. Yeah. You and I work with, uh, we work with people, we work with young people, Mm -hmm. um, and so forth. Uh, the, I pastor friend of mine who I think we're going to have come to the family conference, uh, in the fall of twenty three uh to come in and do a part of what we're doing here be a part of that but he was telling the story about having the talk with the kids in order Mm -hmm. to guard them to prepare them for some of the things that they would be exposed to and tells me that his uh, daughter had her first exposure someone tried to expose her to pornography at the age of nine Mm -hmm. fellow sub-teenager preteen had a phone and was like, hey, take a look at this. And fortunately for them, they had already been through the process at age nine now mm-hmm. with the talk with their daughter to prepare her to the place that she was equipped to avoid that. But when you start thinking about exposure, anybody with a cell phone or a device or a tablet that's got internet access has access to really things that can completely... Um, that can, that can really become a major issue for them from an addictive uh, process or, or just from mind-occupying type distractions and so forth. So um, this is a big deal, and it's a big deal as it relates to human relationships. We're as social and interactive in, uh, in culture and context as we've ever been um, as far as how people interact with and this idea of moving toward, gosh, an equality of the sexes, if you will, which tends to tear down what maybe in previous generations would have been protective walls and barriers, really does beg for additional protective measures on the part of smart people to keep themselves from being in places of danger. So Solomon's dealing with this from the standpoint of saying there is a danger out there that's in active pursuit, and if you're not intentional, willful, you are going to become easy prey for that. So uh, if you notice there, verse 6, 
He says, at the windows of my house, I looked out through the lattice, saw among the naive and discerned among those who were young, a young man lacking sense. So he describes a person who is not as aware of what's going on around his surroundings. He's, he's young, he's naive, he's not as uh, exposed to what's happened, as opposed to Solomon, who's writing from a father's perspective and saying, hey, I know better, but you don't know better. And you found yourself, um, you're, you're easy prey because you don't realize the danger that's going on around you. And then you'll remember those next several verses there. This one passes through the streets near the corner of the adulterous woman and finds his way at the end of her driveway uh, at night, in the twilight, in the evening, middle of the night, in darkness. All of these things that would help to provide anonymity uh, for a transgression, for a failure of sin. And, uh, and then she comes out to meet him. He says, verse 10, dressed as uh, a prostitute or a harlot, uh, cunning of heart, boisterous, rebellious, uh, with wild feet that do not remain at home, uh, lurking by every corner. He pictures this adulterous person, uh, this adulterous woman, as uh, just anti-protection in every way, anti-establishment, anti um uh, love of neighbor kind of thing, just as a pursuer of just freedom as it comes to a sexual expression and so forth. And he's already presented this man is in deep trouble because he's naive. He doesn't realize what's going on. The older man sees it, recognizes it, realizes it. The younger man doesn't even realize the game that he's involved in at that point. Have we, uh, have we ever thought about it? And that's probably one of the reasons we talk about it as it deals with young people, but it doesn't have to just be young people. There are people that you probably know from college or probably knew from high school that uh, they thought everything's going to be fine. There's not going to be any problem with it. And then they found themselves in a really tough spot uh, just because they were naive about what was really going on in the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, being, uh, being in that place of temptation uh, finding uh, someone finding themselves in a uh, the wrong place, they've allowed themselves to uh, they've put the safeguards down mm-hmm. and had one peak, one one look, and then from that point on, it's it's been a lifelong struggle. I know I know people that have that are still dealing with that. Yeah, um, still still having a difficult time turning away from it. And it's, I've seen it wreck marriages. I've seen it, um, cause all kinds of damage just because of that one moment that their guard was down. Kind of like, kind of like this young man in this passage that was in the dark on the wrong part of the street in the wrong place, the wrong time. Yep. And you see some of the tools that are used by the temptress, the adulteress, if you will, in this here, Mm -hmm. she, in her dress. So she, uh, they approached the man in a way she approached the man in a way that uh, caught his uh, his passions, his attention uh, from that standpoint. She's dressed provocatively in order to catch his mind, draw his attention, work off his base instincts um, for, uh, for physical companionship. Um, she's got a rebellion to her, so she pushes against the rules, against the uh, social norms, if you will, pushes back against those. And then this is the part I think is interesting, especially in the day that we live in today. Um, she says in verse, uh, verse 14, Today I was due to offer my peace offerings, and I paid my vows. Therefore I've come out to meet you, to seek you earnestly, and I found you. 
and I've already prepared my home. So here's what she said. She said, I was at church today praying I would meet somebody like you, and here you are. You're the answer to my prayer. God's provided you. He must want us to do this. And uh, have you, I know the answer is yes to this, but I'm going to ask it, just kind of teeing it up on the tee for you. Have you ever had anybody who just could take and rationalize whatever rebellion of their situation they would rationalize it as God must want me to do this because God must want me to be happy or he's made the opportunity available or whatever. Have you ever seen that come up in your pastoral travels? I, I mean, I think that's sort of uh, the nature of sin to, uh, to, to be in, in some kind of a sinful action and want to justify it because uh, it's something that a sinful heart desires and so we'll do everything in our power to make that okay, so that uh, so we can protect it. So I think I think that is a uh, something that that just happens with with pretty much everybody. I, I I would think probably everybody listening could say, yeah, here was a time that uh, I was involved in some kind of a sinful thought process or sinful uh, action, and and I tried to justify that this this is okay, this little bit's okay, and really. That sounds exactly like something the enemy would whisper in our in our ear to keep us going down that path. Yeah, I think that's true. And one of the things that you notice as you continue on in the proverb right here is that there's an increasing intensity in the temptation that takes place. So it's not just a drive-by or a bounce-off of temptation. It's like when he slowed down at the end of the driveway, it was like poured on with gas. It's, mm. it's extra intense. So she goes on, I've come out to meet you, to seek your presence. I've spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens from Egypt. I've sprinkled my bed with myrrh. Let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. And then she says, and there's no downside. Verse 19, for my husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon, he'll come home. So there's what she says. There's no way we can get caught. My husband's not around. There's nothing that's going to take place. He's off trading for weeks. He's going to be gone. This is as safe a trip down uh, Lover's Lane, if you will, as safe a trip as you'll ever be able to, to go down. And it says, with her many persuasions, she entices him. With her many flattering lips, or with her flattering lips, she seduces him. And then this is what grabs me every time. Verse 22, suddenly... He follows her as an ox to the slaughter, as one in handcuffs or fetters to the discipline of a fool until he dies. Suddenly he follows her. We're 21 verses in before we get to suddenly. Suddenly. Is it sudden or does it just feel sudden in that moment because he's missed all the protections for the first 21 verses that are there that point out these are things that Solomon saw from the lattice looking out his window, but this guy didn't see. And now suddenly he's trapped and it's going to cost him his life. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's that point of, uh, with, with this type of a, with this type of a sin, you, you get up to a point where it gets almost to where it's impossible to turn from it. And, and I think that's that's kind of the picture here is he's he's allowed himself to be in the wrong place, and the the closer he got in every step he made toward entering into that uh, sinful act, he got to a point where well now 
he's gone to the point where he's just not able to he's not able to make a wise decision now. Yeah. And and so he I think at that point it's just suddenly he's he's there. Yeah. And and there were plenty of opportunities to catch it and turn around and to make a make a change. There was an opportunity at the very beginning uh not to go where he was going, not to put himself in that situation or to surround himself with people that could say, Hey, you're, you shouldn't go over there. Yeah. Um, and there, there are protections he could put into place, but then once he got in that situation, it was a difficult thing to stop. Yeah. I think that's kind of where, uh, Solomon ends this proverb too. Uh, when you look down verses 24 and following, he says, so listen to me, pay attention. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't stray into her path. Mm-hmm. because nothing good comes from that. Don't do that. So he tells him, in light of this, in light of this story, in light of this warning, this admonition, guard yourself by not allowing yourself to even be in that spot. So I know we don't talk about accountability because that's kind of an ugly uh, word in, in the world today, but what are protections that uh, if a person, what are protections that a guy, let's don't even talk about our teenager, let's talk about men uh, or women because uh, really it, it applies both ways. But what yeah. are ways that we put protections in place? We would tell someone, guard yourself so that you don't find yourself in the suddenly of this passage. Um, one of the things we've talked about before, and we have this as a staff rule right here. We tell our pastors, don't lunch with someone who's not uh, lunch or meal or hang out with one-on-one with someone of the opposite sex who's not your spouse. So yeah. don't. Don't uh, don't let me cruise up into Applebee's and find one of our pastors hanging out and having lunch with a woman that's not uh, his wife, uh, because such is a terminable offense for us. Because we're, it's a dangerous place. Not only does it look terrible, but it's a dangerous place to live our lives. So I think some call that the Billy Graham rule or whatever. You know, yep. you never you never do those things. I think uh, Vice President Pence made a big deal out of that. And uh, probably made it popular again, made made the Billy Graham rule uh, great again or whatever. But uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, there's wisdom in that, not doing those things. Um, one of the things Jody and I do is we've got uh, we share passwords across platforms. So she has access to all my uh, social. She has access to my uh, my emails, my computer, my everything. So she can go in there and see. And I know that accountability exists in all of it. I don't not go there because of the accountability, but I am aware there is accountability for me, and that's to guard me and also to give her a sense of comfort so that she knows, hey, uh, Chris is not in that area. I don't even get an email, whether it's to my personal account or whether it's to my church account, that either my wife doesn't see or my assistant doesn't see. Yeah. Both of them have access to to that. So there's no chance of somebody even sending me an email that... Uh, that's not reviewed or reviewable by another person. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, those are those are really good. And um, one of the things that I always uh, always encourage. In fact, we've got a new group of interns here, and one of the things uh, we encouraged them with yesterday was keep a calendar of everything you do and everywhere you go. Um, just be diligent with your calendar and make sure somebody always knows where you are. And uh, that's that's helpful in a lot of ways. One, it protects against false accusations. Right. And two, it prevents from uh, true things that could be going off. Somebody always knows where you are. Um, somebody who cares about you and 
loves you and and all that then that's a big that's a good protection one of the one of the biggest things to do is really just kind of take inventory of what are things that are around you what are dangers that are around you that could lead you down a wrong uh, and sinful path uh what so for example uh if 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 our phone can be a source of temptation if that's a source of temptation yep. and struggle then and and we know that then we have to set up we have to set up uh protections around that so yep. that may mean um things like you're saying sharing passwords sharing text messages and all that stuff uh also something that we do in our family is we we charge all the the devices in our house in a spot where they're not allowed to go in uh, kids' bedrooms and things like that because uh, it's kind of like this passage says that's just a a place of anonymity and we want to avoid taking temptation into those places. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, those are proactive steps. They're not things that somebody's imposing on you, but they're yeah. steps that that you and I take that we choose to take in order to guard ourselves to provide. Uh, protects for ourselves so that we're not stuck in the suddenly yeah. following thing because we've allowed ourselves down a pathway. There are probably other protections and things, the power that you've taken to guard yourself in other areas. And if so, we'd love to hear about that. But uh, here's what we would encourage based on the wisdom of Solomon. Don't be naive. Be smart mm-hmm. enough to know there is an enemy there is a, that's lurking about seeking whom he may devour. He's a roaring lion, and you don't want to uh, fall prey to the enemy in any of those areas. So take the power to guard yourself, to put in protections that not only guard your reputation, but guard your uh, spiritual health, your relationships, your opportunity to flourish uh, in that way. So anything you want to add? Uh, that's it. I, th- I think this has been good. Uh Get, do something right. That's what we always say. So, so take this, respond to God's word, however the Lord's speaking to you, and um, set up those protections yep, in place. That's it. And we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Have a great one. Thank you for joining us for the My Home, My Mission podcast. If today's episode was helpful to you, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to contact Chris or Jordan, email us at home at inglewoodbaptist.com.